Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Enjoy. To the fourth episode of the Mike Bomb Podcast. This is your host, May Shayla Bogan. Today we will be kicking off this episode with speaking about the series of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, joining me right now as my special guest today will be Mike Giasti, who is actually a Pittsburgh native. Uh, Mike, introduce yourself. That's great. Um, So, obviously, this topic is going to be about the Steelers because I feel like this is the one thing the show really needs to kick off because this has been buzzing ever since disappointing back-to-back losses at home for the Steelers, once to the Raiders, and then the recent one to the Cincinnati Bengals, which is honestly a real disappointing blowout to me. 24-10, to offense only averaging 10 points. When they're usually against that team, they'll average about, you know, 20 or more at the minimum. But obviously, things are not looking well at all. So I just, first question is, what is your thoughts on that game? And if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, as for this season from week four to here on out to the last week, which will be, I believe, week 17, week 18, where would you go from here and why? Well... The Steelers are a team that entered this season with a lot of high hopes, of course, but still a lot of question marks, uh, especially around Ben Roethlisberger, who's a Hall of Famer, but 39 years old, an aging quarterback. And the offensive line has been a main issue for the Steelers through these first few games. They were oddly able to beat Buffalo on the road, so this 
right now as we're recording this are one and two on the year. And I think even after the Packers game, many people thought, okay, maybe there'll be two and two and two after those first four games, but probably have the two losses be to Buffalo and the Green Bay and beat the Raiders and the Bengals. Exactly. Now, yeah, and, and the Raiders, I think, might be a playoff team this year. They started off undefeated. The Bengals are better than people think. They have a great young quarterback. But still, the Steelers were favored in those games. They have lost those games at home. They beat the Bills on the road, so it's a bit of an odd thing. But the Steelers have got hurt a lot more as the season progressed. They were without T.J. Watt against Cincinnati on defense. They've been more banged up as the season's gone on. And Ben played okay against the Bills where he didn't have to do too much. You're seeing less than 200 yards, not having that many pass attempts, kind of managing the game. Against the Bengals, 58 pass attempts is just too much for a quarterback like him at this point now, with him being at his age. He's not nearly what he was before. He couldn't connect on any big plays. And the offensive line has just been relatively poor most of the year. It's a very inexperienced group. They're still waiting for Zach Banner to return. And as long as this offensive line plays the way they are, there's not much hope for Matt Canada to administer his plays, for Ben to even be better, because when you're an older quarterback, you need to have a solid offensive line. That's how Brady can still do what he does. They have Deontay Johnson, who still has been missing missing time, and Claypool now with a hamstring injury. He's question mark for this week. So really? dealing with these injuries is only making it worse. But a lot of the question marks around the Steelers team entering the year have so far been answered negatively for Pittsburgh. I mean, they've been dealing with injuries. They've not been as good as they thought. The O-line's kind of been ruining things, and they've been hurt. As far as turning it around, they're going to need to get healthier, which is just off of luck, and they're also going to need to get some players back and improve the offensive line. I don't know if I hope that's going to happen, but if that doesn't happen, it's going to be a long season for the Steelers. They need to get the running game going. That's also hard to do without an offensive line that's blocking. Harris was really involved as a receiver against Cincinnati, but not at all as a runner. He has not been able to get going on the ground most of the year. That's still been a problem. That's been a problem for the team for a couple of years now. Defensively, I don't know if they can be asked to do too much more, but if they're not able to turn plays into turnovers and generate more turnovers like they've heard in past years, that'll be hard as well since there's a lot of pressure on them to step up. The schedule does not get any easier, though. Definitely Last not. During the hot start, they faced a lot of teams that had quarterbacks who were hurt. They'll fix some of these issues and get healthier. That might even be unlikely. And the next year will be a major question mark as well with, will Ben even still be there next year? Because many believe he would be done after the spots because, again, the offensive line is the main issue. That's going to be a problem everywhere. It's so young, so inexperienced. Veterans leaving this team last year. It might get better as the season gone on, but it has been worse to this point. And maybe it'll hit their stride. It'd be very weird with that first quarter of the season. But over the long haul, they got a lot of things they need to correct if hope to contend. All right, Mike. Well, that's actually a pretty good answer. That's actually, you just pretty much spoke my mind right there. That's why, yeah, you know, that's why, honestly, I'm not even, I'm pushing the panic button. I'm not even going to lie to you, but I'm not at the same time because of their history. You know, it's, it's not like Mike Tomlin to go below 500. So because there are 17 games this year instead of 16, like, like is, like it was last year and the previous years before, 
his his worst records projected to be at like I'm gonna say at last at least nine and eight. That's the better term. But one starting off one and two is obviously not a great thing. So if you're a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, right? Because obviously many will label this as his team now since Troy's gone, James Harrison's gone, Jerome's gone, Hines gone, like all the veterans that he pretty much walked into when he was a Najee Harris or a Pat Firemouth, who honestly I think should be tight end one, but that's another question for another day. Um, if you're Ben Roethlisberger, where would you go from here? Would you start believing in your offensive line more? Because obviously in his younger days where he was obviously more mobile, more able to move around, you know, he was, he, it seemed like he trusted his offensive line back then. But then again, he was the young Ben Roethlisberger, not this veteran Ben Roethlisberger who developed to be this very great quarterback. Is he now? That's, that's the question. Can he be what he used to be? The answer to me is no, because I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yes, this is the same Big Ben that we saw from the year 2008, 2007, and any year before from 2004 to 2009 or 10. If you think that you're getting that Ben Roethlisberger, to me, I think you just need to get a reality check because you cannot expect the 39-year-old quarterback to be what he once was when he was 21, 22. You know what I mean? So if you're Yeah, I mean he's obviously not gonna be what he was before and he in the past has been able to take offensive lines that weren't that great and still lead them to either a Super Bowl or pretty deep in the postseason. That's prime band maybe a decade ago. And even as recent as four five years ago, he still could make up for some issues. He still was a great quarterback. But we saw two years ago he got hurt. Prior yeah. to that wasn't playing well. Last year Okay, the meaning of the season. Yes, they were 11 now. I don't think he was necessarily playing great. Our yeah, game manager didn't have to do too much. A little bit of fool's gold there. But at he the end put of the up year, great numbers, though. Totally, he... Right, totally fell off the rails at the end of the year. The, the four turnovers against the Browns in the playoffs game. Yeah, He's not been that bad again, but at 39 years old, he's not close to what he was in his prime. He's obviously a Hall of Famer, but he can't carry a team. He can't carry an offensive line anymore. Even Brady with the Buccaneers... He's declining. He's not what he was in the past. Right. He's, he's 44. But he has great weapons around him, great offensive line around him. you got to protect an older quarterback. All of the quarterbacks that had success at 39-plus had tons of protection around them. Not the case for Ben right now. Right. He's retired. DeCastro's gone. Villanueva's gone, even though he's not playing well with Baltimore. He yeah. just doesn't have veterans there, and that's the problem. So I don't think Ben's going to play all that much better. The hope for the Steelers with Ben the rest of the year is to go back to what they did against Buffalo, have him not have to throw that many passes, more of managing the game, a spread of more around 150 to 225 passing yards at the most, maybe a touchdown or two, get more from the ground game, spread it out to receivers like they've been, and then get against the Raiders and Bengals where he's throwing 50 passes. It doesn't matter what the yards are. There's going to be picks. He's going to miss some big plays. It's just not going to work out. So if I'm Ben and this goes the way it's been, 
I probably would eventually consider retirement here. I mean, he came back into this season taking a pay cut, wanting to still play, didn't want to go out on the negative note of last year. But he's just getting beat up out there. He's not who he used to be. He's not. I don't think he's going to be that guy again. Maybe he doesn't have to for the team to win, but they need a better O-line. They need a lot of other things to happen. But he'll probably retire. The, sh- the shock would be if Ben doesn't finish the year. I don't think Tomlin wants to bench him. I don't think that's what he wants to do. They've always been tied together. He's never had any other starting quarterback when Ben's been healthy. But obviously, if Ben doesn't play better, that Ben will be a question mark with Mason as the backup and Haskins behind him. But honestly, it's Ben or bust this year. If Ben can't get it done, and I do believe he is semi-done, the offensive line can't block more, then this season is just a lost year. Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins is not going to lead him to a playoff run. It's going to be Ben or bust, but I think it's much more leaning towards bust. Okay. Well, that's actually pretty fair due to, you know, I personally, if... Okay, I'm going to have to ask this question because I think that everyone's trying to find, they're not trying to blame multiple reasons why this offense is not looking the way it looked. Why it's not looking the way that if you go back two, three seasons ago, it once did. And if you could find anything to blame between the offensive line, the play calling, then the play calling, or the offensive coordinator in general, or the wide receivers with the constant drops, because already they're leading the league with the three games. They're leading the league in drops again with a total of 12. 12 drops. Right. I mean, I I tweeted this actually recently as well. Uh, Again, I I got the 11 on Twitter. is uh, If I had to rank it, the offensive line is number one. The number one issue for the Steelers as a team, not even just the offense, is the offensive line. If the offensive line cannot block, I don't care who is out there. I don't care what else is going on. No one has a chance. Number two, I would blame Ben. Ben has been missing big plays. He's overthrowing receivers. He's throwing ducks out there. They're not even as crisp as he as he wants to throw in the football. He doesn't look completely healthy. His arm doesn't look to be what it was, which makes sense. At 39 years old, it's nothing to be hating on him. It's just the case from what I'm watching there in the press box. And he has no chance really with the offensive line playing the way it's been. Yes, the receivers lead in drops. Deontay didn't play against the Bengals. Deontay Johnson, who led the team in drops last year, doesn't have any, which yeah. is ironic. So maybe if he would have played, that could have helped. He was emerging as the best receiver on the team. But I also think a lot of these passes are, 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 are kind of, he's kind of like waffling in there to the receivers. I mean, Chase had a couple of drops in that Cincinnati game, but the yeah. ball wasn't crisp to him. It wasn't at the numbers. So it's harder on these receivers with Ben playing this well, even though playing this way, even though they're not playing well. Um, beyond Ben, you go to the play calling. As number three, uh, Matt Canada had a lot of hype becoming the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Was a QB coach last year. People thought he didn't get enough plays in last year. Well, he has the keys now, and the plays are still not working out. So yeah, the they're still the same. It's like it's like Randy Fitchner. It's like right. has a ghost in the system <laughs> where 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, it, it's very similar offense. It's nothing special. There's nothing right. we're seeing that's unique that Backhand has been saying. It's very similar to Randy Fickner, which was vanilla offense. Yeah. The only defense of Backhand, which is why he's three out of those three options, is because his offensive style is very different from what Ben's used to. It is more of a college offense. He brought it from college. It can be successful. We've seen it at times, but it really requires blocking. It really requires tight ends to block. They They've not been able to block. They're receiving tight ends more than blocking tight ends. I don't know if this group is what would help Canada run his offense. He also needs ground game to set up the path, to play action. They've not been able to do anything on the ground. Canada can't – he's handcuffed a bit. He can't really get it done with this group playing the way they are. Right. But his plays have also not been that great. So he's in there too. And then – Again, the defense needs to generate takeaways. It's how they win. Last week, they didn't even get a sack, which ended their four-plus-year sack streak. I know. That kind of hurt. Yeah, that that, that made it worse. About that. That's going to be hurt if they can't get sacks and get pressure. So nobody was at their best against the Bengals. It is one of those games you throw away. But if the offensive line doesn't get better... Ben won't get better. Matt Canada's plays won't be there. They won't be able to be effective. The defense will be on the field way more. And that will be harder for them as they are banged up and also dealing with injuries. It, it just all goes back to the O-line again. And the O-line, I don't, I don't see much room to improve. But that's the issue that needs to be corrected for the Steelers to improve the rest of it. Honestly? I kind of do see more room. It's just I feel what's holding the offensive line back is they're afraid to block. That's what it's. <laughs> He's still getting all over the field, but he can't change the interception or fumble there for the play anymore. And that's for him. And you can't expect him to take over the game on his own. But Minka's good. He's not a problem. He's great to have. Um, they definitely had a trade that worked out for him because they weren't going to draft anybody better in a deep position. Honestly. I defended it at the time. But I think the problem is he, he's now getting schemed against so much out of the out of the game. And again, they're so easily riddled. And losing Mike Hilton in the offseason out of players in the secondary out of position. So it's just a tough road. A lot of the question marks have so far been answered negatively for the Steelers. We'll see if they can turn it around. At the end of the day, they need more from the offense, though. Yeah. They need splash plays from the defense, they do, but they need more from the offense or they're just not going to win. Okay, that that's fair. Speaking of this, you know, because this is always usually be the Steelers' way. I don't know right. why what's up with the Steelers with this one. They obviously play the teams that they know is going to be tough for them to beat, that they know that because you heard a lot about the Packers coming in. You heard a lot about the Bills. You you heard a lot about the Seahawks, who they see in two weeks. I'm actually going to be in attendance at that game, so I will see everything because I got a great seat. I'm actually on the front row. So, nice. I, yeah, I will see it all. And, you know, okay. obviously if I'm not going to see some things, I'm going to like, I'm going to call it out. I saw some things during the Bengals game I didn't like. But, obviously when Ben said that there was that Pat Fryermuth reminded him of a tight end, of a teammate he once had, you know, Heath Miller. That's clearly who he was talking about. And so far this year, he has been, you know, a better tight end than by many, by many opinions than Eric Ebron. Right. He's been. So if you're Matt Canada, you're Mike Tomlin, and you can switch the tight end positions, 
Who would you have as your number one tight end? And who would you have as the number two? Would you move somebody from the practice squad to number two and put Ebron number three or on the bench or somewhere and keep fire move this number one? Or would you leave the tight end position like it is? Well, the ideal thing what Matt Canada wanted to do and talked about in camp is having two tight end sets and using both of these tight ends. So Pat Thurman has been the better tight end. He, he has basically become Ben's security blanket. He's become his red zone threat, got his first career touchdown uh, against the Raiders. So he's been stepping up and being that guy. And Ben Honestly. did talk about, as you mentioned, comparing him to Heath Miller, building that relationship. He even said in camp that he threw the ball a little high on purpose to see if Pat would go up there and get it. I have, I have a colleague that covers Penn State that was jumping up and down because he's a Steelers fan when the Steelers drafted him, that he catches everything, and we've seen that too. So finally, I think he's going to be a, be a star and be a pro bowler and probably replace Ebron when he's no longer on the team in a year or so with his contract situation. But I don't know if it really matters where they fit in the depth chart, long, if they're both used. I do think the Steelers want to use both of them. Ebron, ideally, Firemouth would be one, Ebron would be two. There's no chance Ebron's not at least two. They're not gonna have, they don't have any other options, entry, et cetera. They're not going to step up and be that guy. Ebron, with his contract, is going to be on this team and catching passes. They're both going to need to be utilized. They're both going to need to get passes. They're both going to be involved in this offense, ideally. The issue is neither one of them has blocking as part of their top thing on their resume. They're both pass-catching tight end. The Steelers needed a blocking tight end. They don't have that. So that's Vance McDonald retiring. That was one thing he did so well. They don't really have that guy again. So if one of them could be a blocker, that would be great. Both of them do the same thing, basically. And... Yeah, Fryermuth being there shows he can replace Ebron at one point. But you, ideally, Canada wants both of them. They're both going to be involved. And the issue is that if you flip it too much, then Ebron has a little bit of a reputation in the past of, of kind of trying to rock the boat a little bit. So I don't really want to deal with that either. But ideally, they would run two tight end sets. They just can't do that when neither one of them can block that well. Fryermuth has played better to this point, even though he's also been healthier. But Ebron's shown he's a borderline pro bowler in the past. It's not like he can't play. So they're both going to try to be utilized, and that's really the two tight ends they have. They don't really have any other tight ends anywhere, whether it be on the roster, back and forth. There's no one else that is trusted by the Steelers to be utilized in the tight end position. So it is those two sink or swim. I really like Fryman, though. I agree with you there. I think Fryman has been playing really, really well. He is no matter where it is. Yes. And Ebron's not going to be there long term. But for this year, ideally, they're both utilized, which is what they talked about in camp. It hasn't happened because, again, neither one of them can really block, which shuts the play down, and Ebron's not been fully healthy. Well, that that's actually fair because um, the tight end position to me, everybody said that the offensive line, you know, was questionable, which it is. Right. Because I've said some bad things about the offensive line. I actually said in person to someone before that me and, like, Four other rolls of Charmin tissue can block better for Ben than that offensive line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, right. It was not the nicest thing, but that's how peed old I was. You know, because it's like, not only as a sports fan, you're looking at this, but this is a Steeler fan. You know, and Ben's my all-time favorite QB, and I just hate watching him get beat up yeah. on the field because... Pretty much, you got five men on the roster that don't think that they got to do their jobs, but yet want high numbers, want championships, want all of this. To me, championship teams start 
with aggression. The offensive line is not shown that at all. And what's frustrating is this is actually said on the podcast called Yeans Hers. I don't know if you listened to that or not. But yeah, I've heard, I've heard, yeah. Yeah. It was actually yeah, it was actually said and they've said they don't understand because I don't understand either. I don't think anyone understands how the offensive line who goes against arguably the best defensive line in the past three, four seasons in football is out here playing like crap. And it messes up your running game. Now, G can't get whole C. This is where people who obviously pro Roethlisberger completely has the ground to stand on. Because obviously, 100% of the blame would be on Ben if, to me, if Najee was getting his numbers, you know, and the O-line, it was good protection. Najee was getting his numbers. He was finding holes and then Ben just playing like crap. Then I'll be looking at Ben. But here's where I where I cannot look at Ben just yet because a great running back like Najee is not getting his numbers. And even though they are good defensive teams, they're not this defense that they practice against, especially when this defense is healthy. So it's like, then I read before, you know, how the two offensive line coaches are colliding heads during practice about identity and things of that nature. So do you think that that can probably play a factor into this? And if you're the Steelers offensive line here and all this constructive criticism, what would you do this Sunday against the Green Bay Packers? Like, what would be your mentality? Because obviously your quarterback's coming in here healthy, not 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 100%. Your defense is, well, close to 100%. Actually, I think everyone but Stephon Tulit will be playing this Sunday. That's what the hope is, but you never know because people thought T.J. Watt was going to play last week and then he was ruled out the day of the game or not even 24 hours before the game. So if you're the Steelers' offensive line, where are you going from here? What are you going to do to make a statement? Would you use this game this Sunday against the Green Bay Packers as as a game? pretty much as the victory. Like, would you use this game against the Green Bay Packers, right, as a statement game? Well, the idea is that that's what they would do. I mean, you would think that the offensive line would be motivated a little bit by the criticism, but at the end of the day, they are very inexperienced. So that is the issue. You have Kevin Green and Dark Center to replace Marquise Townsend as a rookie, etc. It was an offensive line that was thrown together that was very inexperienced and you're dealing with a more experienced team with high hopes. It was the one piece of the team that was inexperienced and that's the one piece of the team you want to have experience. Marquise Pouncey retiring early was a problem for Ben because he needed him this year, learning a new offense more than ever before. Definitely. He can do what he wants, but it, it hasn't made it easier in Ben, of course. Ben isn't playing well, but the reason why the offensive line is the first problem and the first issue is because if they don't block, it doesn't matter who the QB is. So Ben needs to play better. He absolutely does, but he's absolutely handcuffed by this offensive line. Maybe they'll be motivated. I think the skill level is not there. I think the inexperience is not there. They need to get healthy. Zach Bannon needs to come back and be healthy and show us what he really can do. He hasn't played in a year. So there's pressure on the O-line. They would be blamed for this year if it doesn't go anywhere for sure. And it's certainly not easier on Ben. But, again, I, I just think the experience level makes both and at least be better each week, not worse. But 
they got to change something. I don't know if it's just continuously feeding Najee Harris, trying to get him going, but of course you don't want to get him killed. You got to at least try to win your one-on-one matchups. The offensive line is going to potentially get exposed most of the year. The defensive lines they're facing are going to try to feast on them. And while you can get motivated, I don't know if it's possible for them to be good enough. They could get better, but I don't know if they can be good enough for this team to do what it wants to do this year to really help out Ben due to their inexperienced and due to due lack of inexperience and due to other things. I mean, they just don't have the experience level. And Chuck's a core for and some of the other members of the O-line that are veterans. Okay. They just seemingly <laughs> aren't getting it done. So I, I don't know if the hope is there. But yeah, if the offensive line, that's the theme. If the offensive line does not play better, not much else matters. Yeah, it's over, Honestly. pretty much. Um, it's, I think, you know, personally, it's a little bit of everything because the fact right. that receivers leading the league in drops again. Deontay Johnson improved, but then you have Juju, you have Claypool who have pretty good drops, but the throws were a little off. I think him and Claypool miscommunicated once last week when they was in the red zone. Been through it, you know, left, Claypool ran white, Claypool ran, ran to the right, and that pretty much had everyone looking like, okay, was Ben off with the throw? Did Claypool misunderstood the play? So I think, honestly, the overall problem with the Steelers, to sum it all up, is trust and communication along with experience. Because, mis- and what I mean by communication, the receivers don't know much of the plays is getting thrown, or Ben, you know, has like old man syndrome where he forgets that where the ball's supposed to get thrown. Then you have trust within the offensive line. Because I don't even think Najee trusts that offensive line. And you really can't blame them. Because it's like, and this is what I fear mainly. Not only is that old line, if they don't get it together, it's going to get Ben hurt. But they're going to get Najee hurt. And I don't think they can afford. Those are two players on that roster where you're not deep at at all. Like, you're just not. So, knowing your defense still got to get healthy when you're Mike Tomlin, knowing that this is pretty much do or die if you're Ben Roethlisberger, if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, where are you going to go headed into week four against Green Bay? Are you going to, because Ben said they have to start off faster. So, I'm like, okay, you said start off faster, let's start off faster, but would you put your offense on? Say T.J. Watt does return, right? Everyone but Stephon to it will be lined up. Now, obviously not 100% healthy, but at least 70, 80% or, or you know, around that. And would you defer and see if you can get the ball the second half and put your defense, the, obviously the stronger side of the ball on the field first versus Aaron Rodgers and – allow them to get opportunities to make plays that will obviously at least in attempt help your offense or would you put your offense what you did the first two three weeks which is put your offense on the spot show uh, force them to show everyone what they're made of and show them why you are who you are and why you're wearing these colors which one would you do first if the Steelers can pick, they gotta they gotta start the offense on the field. They will last thing that they put the offense 
right away. It's not because I have confidence in the offense doing anything. It's because of what Ben said. You got to start faster. They've been very slow. Definitely. The offense couldn't get going whenever they would do anything against the Raiders or Bengals, even really the Bills. It took a while to get going. So you got to get out there. You got to try to do something. The pressure is on the offense. When you're facing Rodgers and the Packers, and they've not been great this year either, but their issues have been on the defensive side of the football. This might be the, the worst defense you're facing to this point this year. Maybe you could expose them a little bit, but they're going to score on offense. The Green Bay is, is going to score, so you've got to score points with them. you got to maximize your opportunities. Yeah, it's nice to get the ball to start the second half, but at that point you could be trailing by several scores with the way the Steelers' offense has been going and it's been so sluggish. they got to get right out there. They got to try to do something. They got to try to jump on them early, get a lead, make it easy, make it a little easier on the defense, not put as much pressure on them. They know the Packers are going to score. They got to try to match it Definitely. again, and they got to figure something out. It, it, they're not going to, you know, it's going to be a potentially a tough day. They're not going to be favored going into, into into Lambeau. But when you're facing that team with that offense, you got to try to match them in points. It won't be easy, but maybe you'll have a chance against their weaker defense. So you got to get out there yeah. and maximize your opportunities on that field as much as you can. Well, definitely. Um, last question, and I'm going to let you go. So with all of this being said, obviously you said Pittsburgh's not favorited. I don't think they were actually going to be favorited at all, whether they had an old – whether they offensive line was playing well or not, because it's yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right? it's Aaron Rodgers at home in Lambeau Field, where he's pretty much almost unbeaten. Is what I'm gonna say. I don't think this guy has more than 15 losses at home, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't recall seeing Aaron Rodgers lose that much at home, no matter how great your offense or how great your defense is. That's why I think the Bucks shocked a lot of people when they went last year in the NFC Championship game and beat the Packers after what they saw what Green Bay did to a defense like the LA Rams the previous week. With all of this being said, looking at the game last week in Cincinnati, when the ball started to move somewhat, when some life started to get made before, you know, I'll say the, I'll say it, the idiotic fourth and 10 call when they were at Cincinnati's 10, I believe it was. And they were going play action, no huddle. Ben said recently that the reason why they're not pretty much the reason why they're not running play action, no huddle, which is pretty much up Ben's alley because the way he plays, the fact that he's now no longer backyard Ben, he's, I'm going to say, 10% 10% backyard bid, 90% in pocket bid. No huddle offense play action is obviously their best way to go. But if you're Matt Canada and you apparently only have 5 to 10 plays, would you allow Ben Roethlisberger to call the plays from here on and out and just take over in this final year and see where that goes? Or would you mix some of your plays up and some of Ben's plays up and see where that goes? I mean, that was kind of a conversation in the offseason. I don't know if we're going to see anything of Ben calling any kinds of plays, playing the way he's been. I mean, Matt Candy was given the offense. The Steelers made it clear to Ben that if you want to come back, not only do you got to take a pay cut, but you're not going to be running the show on the field here. We're going to use Matt Candy's offense, see what he can do. 
You got to still give it time. It's only a few games in. I mean, people out there want that kind of fired already. Yeah. You got to see what's going on. It's only a few games into a season as him as, as, him as the OC. That's not really reasonable. So, yeah, it's the Collins not been great. There have been some tough decisions. But, again, the O-line's been so bad. There's been no blocking, and Ben's not been great. But it's going to be Matt Canada's offense. You're going to see him calling these plays. You're going to see Tomlin a little bit involved if he if he doesn't you know catch on. I'm sure he'll try to help pick things up, even though he's more of a defensive mind. I cannot see a scenario though where Ben Roethlisberger is just making things up, calling it, calling every single play. I mean, Matt Candon they trusted him a little bit. Yeah. see some sprinkled in because they did talk they're going to try to tweak Matt Candon's offense to make it a little bit more friendly to Ben and his style. But Ben doesn't have much room to be doing that the way he's playing. So it'll depend on how the game goes. I mean, if the Steelers start off and they're down two, three touchdowns at halftime and Ben's playing horrible and there's no blocking, then maybe they'll let Ben run some plays. Maybe at that point they might think about sitting Ben. I mean, again, Tomlin doesn't want to pull the trigger and bench a future Hall of Famer, but things absolutely have to pick up. It's still too early to judge Matt Kanda three games into the season. If we're talking in week eight or nine and it was still the same deal, then yeah, you go ahead and let somebody else give it a shot. You sprinkle more plays in, maybe one or two from Ben that he draws up. But this is mostly going to be the Mad Canada offense. They got to keep learning. And at the end of the day, again, they need blocking. They need more help around Ben, and Ben needs to be better. If none of those things occur, they're going to lose to Green Bay. They're going to lose frequently this year. This will be a lost year, and the only benefit there is it might set him up in the draft in a better position for next year and as this likely Ben's last year of his career. Okay. So, obviously, last question. The, you're Ben Roethlis. You, you looked at Matt Canada's play so far, and you saw that it was the same typical crap. Short passes, you know, deep doing dunks or whatever, things like this. So if you're Matt Canada, would you open the playbook more to allow your receivers to go deep and, you know, test Ben's arm out? See, because obviously we've seen some plays where Ben was, you know, where Ben still had the arm that he once had. No, he doesn't have the same athleticism. You're not getting that back. But you can get the same arm back. But some people feel like Ben can't throw the ball down the field no more because based on the plays that are designed, you know, it was always short passes, you know, deep in dunks, things like that. So if you're Matt Canada, don't you think it's time to switch it up? Because don't you think it's time to test the opposing defenses out? See, can they stick your wide receivers in deep coverage and allow Ben to air the ball out? Yeah, I mean, an offense no matter who's the quarterback that is not willing to take shots is going to have problems. I mean, in the NFL today, the reason why the bills didn't beat the Steelers really, they didn't hit big plays. Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. They missed a couple big plays and they would have hit those. They would have beat Pittsburgh. The Steelers would be 0 three right now. Yeah. So if you hit big plays, then you're going to have a major, a major advantage over your opponent if they are not. And yeah, the Rodgers and the Packers are going to try to hit big plays. You'd like to think the Steelers could open up a passing game. Could try to hit some big plays. If you catch one or two big plays, that would make it easier on Najee Harris. That would make it easier on everybody. Problem is, I don't know if they have the blocking to hold long enough 
to get those big plays off. That's the problem. They don't really have the blocking to hold long enough to get big plays off. And while Ben has shown he maybe has a little bit of an arm at times to still throw the ball deeper than those five, ten yard little dumpers. Yeah. There's been other times that it looks like he's not able to do so. A couple deep passes he did overthrow his receivers. He's also underthrown some. I don't know if Ben right now has the ability to really fire off that many big plays, but I guess the fact is and the answer is you gotta try. If you're not trying big plays, if you're scared to throw the ball downfield and you can't push the ball downfield and you can't pick up a big play here or there, you really have no chance in today's NFL. So maybe they do need to open it up with some big play attempts, open up the playbook a little bit. That's why you could criticize Kansas some. They have been very conservative almost way too much, which certainly was an issue against Cincy. Try to see what you have in Ben. But if he can't connect on those big plays and you are getting the blocking and then you try him, you got an even bigger problem because, again, they don't have that many better options behind him either. Hmm. But you have to try. I'm just concerned Ben can really connect on too many of those big plays, and I doubt the offensive line can block long enough. You need to block longer to find somebody open and get them time down the field. That's been a problem for the Steelers as well. So it all goes together. They maybe just have to swing or swim with a little bit more of a uh, an open playbook and give it a shot. But whether I think it's going to happen and be successful is a different story. Um, but I thanks for inviting me on the show. It was a, it was a fun conversation. I'll, I do actually have to run. Yes. But I definitely enjoyed uh, appearing on with you. And have a great rest of your day. No problem. Thank you so much. Enjoy your evening. All right. Bye. And that was Mike Asting, for all of you who doesn't know. And now we're about to move on to our new topic, which will be TB12's return in Foxborough. Um, obviously, I expect a blowout win for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think they're pretty pedoed about the L they took in L.A. I mean, they defensively, they got beat down. They got Matthew Stafford made them all look like fools. If I'm not mistaken, I don't recall them getting a sack on Matthew Stafford that entire game. And not only that, but the the Bucks secondary looked a mess. Um I don't think Getting Richard Sherman was the best thing they could have done so far. They needed that veteran help. They pretty much needed it because the fact that they didn't have it. I'm going to just say this about Tom Brady's return to New England. His return is obviously going to be one for the ages. You know, actually, I didn't even look at the future schedules before I predicted Tom Brady would never step foot back in that stadium again. I was wrong. I didn't. I was unaware that the Bucks and the Patriots were going to see each other in any of the remaining years of Tom Brady's career. And I personally just, I feel bad for the Patriots. I really do. I would hate to be a Patriot fan and have to 
see Tom Brady come in and beat the crap out of us. That's exactly what's going to happen. Your defense didn't really show that much promise. That's going to be a lot of pressure for Mac Jones that game because he's only a rookie. With just a coming together offense, even though they got Hunter Henry, losing Julian Element is going to hurt them. It's already hurting them this season. And and I'm not mistaken, I think their running back, James White, is out for the year with a hip injury. Which, obviously, they're going to need who they obviously was going to need this season. Especially in this game against the Bucks defense, who was pretty good against the rush until last week to pretty much getting picked apart in L.A. So, this is going to be a bounce back, you know, a bounce back game for Brady, obviously. But... It's not about how good the game's going to be. It's about how this man just became, built his platform and who he is, who and what he is, and one organization, then went to the other and pretty much done the exact same thing in a shorter period of time, obviously. This is the game that's really going to determine whether it's the coach or whether it's the quarterback. And I think that Belichick, to me, is going to get taught a real lesson because I never was sold on the Patriots moving on from Tom Brady or him leaving and then they're getting Cam Newton. Yes, Cam Newton is a good quarterback, but he's no Tom. And... Tom Brady is one of those players who I believe is entitled to play as long as they want for for whatever organization they pretty they pretty much help build up. Cause a legit argument could be made that the Patriots would be nothing without Tom Brady. And it's been showing since he's left. It showed in 2008 when he got injured and was out for the year with an ACL injury. He suffered against the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, and that was week four of 2008. It showed that game. No, they went 11-5, but you did not win your division, which you would have with Brady, which, if I'm not mistaken, you pretty much did all your years with Brady. And you also, it's like, it's, it's a hard thing to say because I'm not trying in no way to knock on Bill Belichick and his greatness. You can't say crap to that man. The only thing you could say was you was dumb for letting Tom Brady go. Because that's like Michael Jordan letting Scottie Pippen go. Or I must use a better one. Phil Jackson, you know, all his success with Kobe and the Lakers, allowing Kobe to go to the Warriors or somebody like that. <laughs> with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. That's what that would have been like if they all was in the league at the time. And that's how Phil Jackson would have looked. And then they come back to Staples Center and beat the crap out of the Lakers. That's what that would have been like. That's what I feel is going to be like when Tom Brady returns to Foxborough. It's like, he's not just coming to play football like he would every other stadium. He's not just coming to win. No. He's saying he wants to kick your butt. He's saying that he got people he still speak to who knows he's coming there to kick their behind, which we all know would be the urban term, which be the, I'm going to say, let me say this one, the nicer term 
In other words, the more professional term for, I'm not coming there to be your friend. I'm not coming there as your former teammate. I'm coming there as a man who I f- who feels that with all that they have given to this franchise, all that they have given to this team, the fans, etc., just to be blank up disrespected the way I was, I feel that he's saying that Tom Brady's not coming to play football. He's pretty much saying when he says kick your butt, he's saying he's coming to Foxborough to whoop your ass. That's pretty much what he's saying. And that's the way. And when you seen him, and if you would have watched the press conference or the interview that he had, you know, with one of the Bucks reporters, I believe it was. I'm not familiar with the name. You could see in his face he was pissed. He's not coming in here in a friendly manner. He's not going to go near disrespect the organization that gave him a chance when he obviously wasn't even sure whether he was going to have it or not. And you could see the Tom Brady documentary on that. Not sure whether it's on NFL Network, somewhere on YouTube. Don't know. Y'all going to have to figure that out. But this guy is not playing around with the Patriots. He made the Patriots feel his burn taking the Bucks, the ten to seven Buccaneers, who many before getting Tom Brady didn't even have going to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl and beating the crap out the Chiefs thirty one to nine, and winning his seventh Super Bowl title. I personally was happy for him because many people was expecting a downfall because they discredited him for his coach. But now we're looking, his coach just had two quarterbacks and not even a 500 record season. And it's not really looking like that right now with the Patriots. It's like nothing's going right right now in New England and they're getting beat up left and right. They just might be the one team that is worse than the Steelers right now with injuries and, and lack of offensive, you know, splash plays. But I feel sorry for all the Patriot fans that miss Tom Brady. I feel sorry for all the people, you know, who still speak to Tom Brady. Because he's not coming in there as your favorite player. He's not coming in there as a former Patriot. He's coming there as a now Tampa Bay Buccaneer who felt disrespected by you guys. Some fans burnt his jerseys. Others try to replace him with quarterbacks. Other quarterbacks, to be more exact. Others pretty much said, screw him or F him. And now he's heard all of it. And they know, and he pretty much is telling everyone when he said, they know I'm coming in there to kick their butt, that they know I'm coming in there to kick their ass in front of every fan and show them that it was me the entire time, not him. And it was my show in New England. And that's why it was the success that it was. So, what I'm expecting, Tampa Bay, 35, the Patriots, 14. That would be my score prediction. I see them scoring two touchdowns. I may be being a little nice here. (laughs) But it's going to be a beatdown. And it's truly, truly going to get ugly between those two teams. Especially when it comes to the Patriots' former quarterback, Hall of Future Hall of Fame quarterback, whether they like it or not, and the current Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. And that's what I have so far. 
and I'll be back in a few. Thanks. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast, the podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, follow, and listened to the podcast, and for your overall support and love. If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as new episodes, new seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Google Podcasts, and much more. Or you can visit www.themikebomb.com for news updates within your favorite sport leagues, along with more news about the podcast. Thank you for your support and see you next episode.